Welcome into Honorado and Bagnardi. Shawnee, it's a, it's a big day because, in my opinion, as an NFL fan, if your team loses Monday and Tuesday are the worst, but on Wednesday you can start to turn the page. As you know, I'm a Packers fan, so my team won, and let's hope they got at least one more in them. Uh, but on Wednesday is when we can turn the page and really look forward. And for our Bills Mafia audience, certainly in upstate New York, man, I know they're dying for Sunday to get here. Yeah, this is like the this will be the obviously the third week in a row that we are promising the best week of the NFL season. I think we're just going to keep <laughs> doing it, man. Yeah, why not? All right, here we go. You're watching Honorado and Bagnardi. In this case, two is not better than one. Who are any of these guys? You're doubling it. You're doubling it. That's major. They were the best team last year, and they just got a whole lot better. This is Honorado and Bagnardi. Driven by Mohawk Honda and Mohawk Chevrolet. Bags, as we often do, we like to leave it up to the experts on this show, and that's why we've got Steve Levy, the voice of Monday Night Football, with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. And Shawnee, of course, he is an Oswego grad like yourself. Absolutely. Um, it's it's nice to have another Laker on the broadcast. We You have brought so many Ithaca guys on. It's yeah. so disgusting. And now we've got some real talent on the show today, so I'm excited. All right. Well, Steve is joining us on the phone. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time with us here in Albany. We we really appreciate it. Plenty of Bills fans. And I know you saw them twice on Monday night football. First of all, how are you? Healthy? And I hope soon to enjoy a little bit of time off. Yeah, me too, Chris. Uh, Sean, it's great to talk to you guys. Thanks very much. When you said, you know, experts and football, I thought you had Greasy or Riddick on the phone here. So uh, <laughs> it's just little old me. I'm just trying to get the score right, get the, get the two teams right. We're playing in the field in front of me. So uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you. And, yes, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for, for upstate New York, for western New York, for central New York. Uh, and those uh, those excellent people up there deserve deserve a winner and deserve a run here, uh, a playoff run like they're like they're having. And uh, we'll see if they can keep it up. Why is this year different, Steve Bills, than the previous couple of trips? One was with Terod Taylor, I know, but but last year with Josh Allen. Why is this year different? Yeah, I, think it, I just think it takes time. I, I, you know, some cliches are, are become cliches because they're true. And I, I do think you have to learn how to win. And some of it is just, you know, experience. Like you can have all the talent in the world and you'd be a young quarterback like a Josh Allen. And, you know, in your third year, things click. Uh, people do talk about the, the difference between a first-year starting quarterback and second year uh, about making a big jump as a starting quarterback in the league. And, you know, it was a fairly good-sized jump for Allen in the third year. And, and then it's, you know, new parts. I mean, you, you know, you can't discount what Stephon Diggs is meant to, to Buffalo's offense. So And and their, their defense, you know, they had all the money on the defense last year, so they had to spend some money on the offense. In this current NFL, you need to score points. And the Bills weren't able to do that in previous years. They were all about field goals. Now they're all about touchdowns. And uh, listen, for a second there, I thought the Bills were going to get another home game. Mm. Uh, that was very close, you know, and what happened uh, with the Patrick Mahomes injury in, in Cleveland and Kansas City. So uh, the NFL features such great drama and the playoffs, and it should be an unbelievable championship Sunday. Steve, let's assume for a moment that Mahomes is health, and we all hope that. I think everybody wants to see the the matchup that we really deserve to see here with these two teams at their best. If that's the case, what do you think is the most important thing for Buffalo to take care of for them to have the best chance to win and get to the Super Bowl? 
I really think, now listen, I haven't seen Kansas City. I've only seen them on television. You know, we saw them uh, week three, and they destroyed Baltimore. Uh, that was one of Lamar Jackson's worst performances of the season. So, listen, you know, you talk about, we want to go back to what I said earlier about learning how to win. Obviously, Kansas City went through it last year going all the way, right? So they have that, that built-in experience. Um I, I think it has the makings for a high-scoring game, and, and therefore it might come down at the defense. And I think Buffalo's defense is probably better. So I really like Buffalo's secondary. And uh, look, we'll see about Mahomes. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair, we're not sure about him, right? And so uh, so there are some questions. But this you know, this could be a track meet, and, and this could be a, a ton of points and make for an awful lot of fun. I, I can't wait to watch it on television, quite frankly. This is one of those where... You know, obviously, I wish I was calling the game, but I'm going to be really happy to sit back and enjoy this one. Where is the coldest place you've done a game? So the cold doesn't bother me. We're like total opposites. Like, you know, like Riddick is, is freezing in South Florida. Uh, <laughs> Greasy's actually from Miami, of course, because, you know, his dad and everything. And me, you know, if you ever seen like they make fun of me in the studio in Sports Center, there's a big sign that says, keep it cold for Levy. So <laughs> the cold does not bother me. This was a great uh, Levy Monday night football schedule. Yeah. Our last quarter had us in uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Foxborough, and Philadelphia, I think. so. But we really didn't have a snow game all season long. Um, but I, I still go. Uh, look, I love the game, and I love being a fan. And so I still go to games as a fan. And so a few years ago, I went to Lambeau Field and sat out. In a, I wish I could say it was December game. Uh, maybe it was the first week of December, and it was – it was really cool. And I grew up going to all these Bills and Jets, Giants games, so, and Patriots, so. Uh, I've been around. I've been to some of those places. I would say Lambeau, though, and Green Bay is uh, is is the most frozen. You know, the Super Bowl, when that was in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. now the game obviously was inside, but just getting from place to place, uh, that might be about as cold as, I, as I've ever been. Nothing like the shores of Lake Ontario, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Is Lambeau colder than Oswego? Tell them about that, John. That's a big fat lie. There are no ropes holding people around. You know, get around That is true. It is a lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm from northern Jersey, and I, I quickly learned what winter is really like when I was at Ithaca, Steve. I can just imagine that uh, right. at Oswego. Uh, every, all four teams that we're seeing this weekend played on Monday Night Football. And it's funny, when we talk about the NFC, I feel like we're talking about the National League in baseball because it really is the senior circuit here with what we saw between Breeze and Brady and now Brady and Rodgers. Uh, give us a little bit of insight, Steve, into that game, if you could. I know you saw both Tampa and Green Bay this year. Yeah, so listen, uh, I mean, that's an unbelievable quarterback matchup. Like I, I, think, I think Buffalo, Kansas City is about the two teams. And I feel like Tampa and Green Bay is about, you know, the battle of the bays, as Chris Berber would say, uh, is really is really about the quarterbacks. Um, and that is a fascinating matchup as well. You know, you plug Tom Brady in, or at least it sounds like you plug Tom Brady in, and then with all the, the spare parts they picked up and the skilled position players they already had, you just... You just think because he's Brady, it's going to work right away. That's a great example of that's not how the NFL works. Even for Tom Brady, it took time. So I, I think Tampa Bay is, is really clicking at the right time. And Green Bay has just been terrific from the start. 
Um, you know, I, I think the weather plays a role, and that's listen. That's the reason you want the top seat. That's even in a year where there's no fans and the crowd won't be a factor. And you know, they'll have seven thousand or nine thousand, whatever it is there, uh, but the crowd really won't be a factor. The weather is the factor. And uh, and those Buccaneers are you know they're gonna get off the plane and say hey what is this kind of thing <laughs> now Brady Brady at least is used to it right from all those years in New England and Foxborough so he's not gonna be afraid of it uh, but it will be odd probably for the rest of the team and again you know the, those Packers are used to it um, Green Bay is is so impressive uh, they lose Bakhtiari you know it's probably the, the top left tackle in the game and 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 play like they were, weren't missing him at all last week so. Listen, I, I think these are kind of two, you know, last-minute, field-goal kind of games. And maybe the AFC is a little more high-scoring than the NFC, but maybe not by much. But, again, the NFL catches every break, right? I mean, mm. these are just two perfect conference championship games. Hey, Steve, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the opportunity to call Monday Night Football games and how that came up that you were going to be in the mix and sort of the genesis of how – you ended up getting that job and, and what having that job means to you. Well, it means everything to me. Uh, I wish I could come up with a different phrase other than dream job, but you know, cause that's cliche, but that's, that's what it is. It's what it always has been for me. Um, you know, I've been in the mix, you know, there's been a lot of changes in that Monday night booth, as you guys are well aware of. And in the last five, six years has been, you know, there's been a lot of turnover and, um, you know, I was in the mix, or at least at least I think I was in the mix. I think I was in the conversation for it the first time around. And you know what? I'm probably very lucky I didn't get it. Uh, that was really a lesson to be learned there. And, you know, I wouldn't have turned it down, but I probably wouldn't have been ready. And that's the kind of job if you go into something. And you see it with coaches, too. You know, rookie head coach comes in. They have no success. You get blown out after a year or two, and you never get another chance again. So, uh, in that respect, I'm probably lucky I didn't get it the first time around. And then the seat opens up again, and I thought, you know, all right, now I'm ready, and I still didn't get it, you know. And so, um, again, you know, I, I need you know pretty much the world to come to an end with a pandemic to get another crack at it, another opportunity. And I feel like our our, uh, our suits, our bosses, you know, put us in an excellent spot uh, to be successful with Lewis Riddick, with Brian Greasy, uh, with a new producer and a director in his second year, and, and the veteran of the group, Lisa Salters, who just finished her ninth year on Monday Night Football. And so, obviously, it was a unique season. You know, we couldn't hang out. We never, all, all season long, didn't have one one drink together, not one meal together, not one meeting together. Mm. We couldn't even go to the stadium together. Couldn't be in the same car even. So, yeah. uh, it's been unique. You know, I'm screaming touchdown, and I hear crowd in my headset. I'm looking at the stadium, and there's nobody <laughs> in the stands. Like, it's just, it's bizarre. It's weird. Uh, but that was, you know, that's the hand that, that we were dealt, that I was dealt. We were certainly trying to make the best of it. And uh, we felt pretty good about our first year. And, uh, you know, we think we have, we're on the verge of potentially something special with this group. So we'll hope for more success in the future. Steve, as we let you go, um, one one of the gems of the Capital Region is your guy, Barry Melrose, of course. We love to yeah. tout him as the Glens Falls great. Uh, I know the NHL contract with TV is is will to be determined. Hopefully ESPN gets a piece of that pie. Can you give us a Melrose story on your way out? You know, I've never seen a man smoke more cigars and drink more Bud Lights in a single day. Uh, I don't know what the record for that is, uh, but I've seen him smoke five cigars a day and, you know, maybe 
three times that many Bud Lights. So, uh, you know, he goes back to a different era of hockey, right? Those guys were eating, you know, steaks the night before and uh, having, you know, cigarettes in between periods, you know, when he was playing. Uh, it, was a, it was a different age. And so, um, and so look, he, he's the best guy ever. And, uh, you know, the Lightning fired him after just 16 games. And Barry said, you know what, screw that. I think I'll stay. And so he bought a home down there. And I'll get to see him a little bit. We go down for the Super Bowl. We'll hang out. And hopefully uh, he'll, he'll give me another great story. Maybe the next time I'm out with you guys, I can pass that one along. So, But he's, he's one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, not just a colleague, but a, a, a sincerely close friend. And, you know, that's sort of the beauty of this business. If you're lucky like I am, you get to work with great people and, and they become uh, like family, like real friends, not just colleagues, not just work friends, but real friends. And, uh, and Barry's one of those guys for me. Well, Steve, we so appreciate the time. And, and as we say goodbye and thank you, I want to point everybody's attention to a website. It's stuart.threadless.com. And there you can find the Booyah t-shirt bags and proceeds benefit the V Foundation and all that Stuart Scott did. And, and Steve, I know you've got the t-shirt. I've seen it on Twitter. I want to point everybody to that website, stuart.threadless.com to support the V Foundation. Steve, thank you, man, so much. All right, thanks for doing that, Chris. And Bags, thanks for having me on. on uh, go Great Lakers. I'll talk to you guys soon. Stay healthy. Thanks, Steve. Steve Levy with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Very, very cool, man. And uh, and an Oswego guy. I told you I would, I'd eventually hook you up with that. Yeah, it's about time. We've got Linda Cohn, too, a colleague of Steve's, who's another Oswego grad. We'll have to get her on as well. Um, yeah, good talking to him. Obviously, I mean, that's that's the job if you are – in sports broadcasting, right? I mean, there are only so many play-by-play -play NFL jobs, but there's only one Monday Night Football job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, our picks ahead of Championship Sunday coming up. We'll get into the situation in Houston as well as it appears even more dire now with Deshaun Watson and the Texans organization. And one of the greatest of all time, right? Say what you want, and, and his career will be debated forever one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, has retired today. We're back right after this on Honorado and Bagnardi. This wasn't my first vehicle, so I wanted something cool, stylish, and dependable. The process was so easy and comfortable. I lead an active lifestyle, my days are busy, and I need a vehicle I can depend on and enjoy driving. As soon as I test drove the Honda Passport from Mohawk Honda, I knew it was the perfect vehicle for me. I love technology and this Passport has it all. I'm Cassie from Boston Spa. That's my story, and this is my Mohawk Honda, where they really do go out of their way to please you. Now back to Honorado and Bagnardi. All right, Bags, you said it. We're promising again another great NFL weekend, but but it is, man. These are the AFC and NFC championship games. The Bills are there for the first time since 1994. We'll dive in a little bit deeper here after having spoken with Steve Levy. First trip to the AFC championship game for Buffalo since 1994 when they played the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the quarterback then 
was also a future Hall of Famer, the same way Patrick Mahomes is, Joe Montana. And Buffalo beat him uh, at Orchard Park um, back 1994, man, 27 years ago. So it's been a long, long time. And they'll go to Kansas City where there will be fans. We saw 16,000 of them last week against the Browns. What do you like in this one, man? Well, to me, it really comes down to Patrick Mahomes. I know that's the easy answer here, but if he's healthy and he's right, the Chiefs are the favorites as they should be um, playing at home. They've got the experience. But look, if he's not right or if he's not there at all, this thing's wide open. Buffalo is good enough to go in there and steal this game, even if everything is right. I don't think it'll happen if everything's right with Mahomes, but they're good enough to do that. So then if he isn't right or isn't there, I think they immediately become the favorites. And I would have them, I won't say winning easily, but I would say winning maybe by 10 points. Okay. They won by nine in week six, and that was at Buffalo. Both of these games are week six rematches. Tampa Bay really had their way with Green Bay uh, in Florida. They'll now play at Lambeau, obviously. I'm with you. If Mahomes is healthy, I lean Kansas City, certainly. Um, But Buffalo winning won't surprise me. I'll be... I might be more surprised if Tampa Bay wins than if Buffalo wins. Wow. Okay. I mean, again, I, I'm going to bring up the Brady guy. I mean, we had this discussion about Brady and Breeze and, well, it's easy to beat a team three times. Yada, yada, but it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. Tom Brady in the playoffs. Yeah, I get it. I get all of that. I'm hoping, as Steve pointed out, that maybe the cold weather does the trick in Green Bay's favor. I, I'm, I'm going to say Chiefs here in the AFC game, assuming health for Patrick Mahomes, and and he's going to play. He's going to play. He'll, he'll be. He'll be. There's no – there's right. There's really no way to me that he's not on the field. It's just, is he going to be 100%? Yeah. Okay. Um, how about in the NFC, man? The Bucks. if the Bucks win, they'd be the first team in NFL history to yeah. play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. It's something that that hasn't been talked about really since back in the preseason when it was like, hey, the Bucs signed Tom Brady. If they get to the Super Bowl, oh, by the way, the Super Bowl is in Tampa. But now it's like gaining a little more steam and momentum. Right. What are they doing for fans in the Super Bowl? Well, the national championship game had, I think, 16,000. That was played in Miami. So what the state of Florida and what – the county where Tampa Bay is will will allow. I don't know, right. but they'll have some fans. Sure, but yeah, it's not like. Of course, it would be the first time, right, that anybody would would get to host the game, so to speak, and it would be, you know, not a capacity crowd. Um, look, they they could become the first to, to have it home, but they got to go on the road first, and this is a very difficult matchup for them, not because of the weather. I mean, if anything, Tom Brady will be fine in the cold. Um, but to me, the Packers are just the better team. I know I, I always say don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs, but most of that's Tom Brady and the Patriots too. This is a slightly different uh, situation here. Even though I did like them against New Orleans, I think this is a, a much worse matchup for them. And I like your Packers here, man. Aaron Rodgers playing at a very high level certainly higher than, than Drew Brees or anybody else in the league. He's, yeah. he's as you said, the MVP of the league this year. So I'm, I'm favoring the Packers in this game at home with the way Rodgers is going right now. Yeah, look, give me Green Bay. Uh, did you 
did you see the comments Bruce Arians made, Bucks head coach, about he he allowing Tom Brady to to do some coaching, mm. something uh, New England didn't let him do. Yeah, that's like uh, me uh, allowing my girlfriend to do some of the shopping when we go to the store. Like, yeah, of, of course you're not allowing anything. The guy the guy can do whatever he wants. He's Tom Brady, right? Like, come on. Yeah, but didn't that feel like more of a shot at Belichick than, like, deferring to the greatness of Tom Brady? Yeah, I suppose it is. But does Belichick care about that? I don't know. I don't know either. I would say he he shouldn't, but we all know, you know, we're all made up of different thickness of skin. Yeah, Arians, you're not Belichick, so maybe you ought to let – the guy who's experienced in one of the Super Bowls do the coaching. I think it's a shot against himself, depending on how you look at it. So, yeah, it wouldn't bother me if I'm Belichick. No, it certainly shouldn't. Um, is Deshaun Watson done in Houston, man? They're, they still haven't hired a head coach. Obviously, Watson wasn't happy with the process of hiring the GM, Nick Casario, who, oh, by the way, New England ties. Um, is this irreparable? I mean, can, can they not get past this current divide? So correct me if I'm wrong here. It seems like the biggest issue, the biggest divide is coming from the fact that they seem to indicate to him that he's going to be involved in the process and they didn't involve him in the process, right? I would say that's that's accurate based on what we know at this point, yes. Okay. So I would say potentially if they now involve him in the process – let him determine the coach he wants to play for or some of the other pieces that they're going to bring in for him to work with, maybe you got a shot. You know, relationships can certainly sour quickly, but they can go the other way quickly too at times if you start to give people what they want. Now, will they do that? Should they do that? I mean, we know how talented he is. We know how important a piece of this team's future he's going to be or should be if they decide that they're going to invest in him. So I wouldn't say the damage is irreparable, but I think Watson probably needs to see a real change in the approach toward him and his involvement in the team. And if that doesn't happen, I think he's done. If you're Houston management, you're in a tough spot here because you've ticked off your franchise quarterback to the point where we all believe he wants to be traded. So now if you hire who you assume is his guy as your next head coach, but a week later he still demands a trade and holds out and he decides, you know what, this wasn't enough for me. I'm not happy. That's, this is where it becomes a little tricky for the Texans. They almost need a real strong verbal promise from Deshaun Watson that, Hey, if we hire Eric B let's say you are going to stay. You are going to get back on board. We're going to keep the lines of communication open with you. We're going to try to learn from some of the mistakes that that have you know caused damage to this relationship. But we're going to hire your guys, head coach. We need to know from you that you are all in. And look, it's one man's word, so it's worth only as much as you're willing to trust it. But I'm with you at this point. If Houston has any any chance of keeping him, they have to hire the guy. Watson points at and says. That's our head coach. Do you think it's more important for Watson to have the guy he plays for or maybe some of the guys he plays with? You know, go out, give give us a weapon you want us to go out and get and see if we can get him. Four. Play four. Okay. All right. Great quarterbacks can make others around them much better. 
Watson has the ability to do that. I, you know, look, I know he wants Will Fuller back, who's a free agent. I'm sure he would love to have DeAndre Hopkins back, who they trade. But he can make others around him great. He can, but look at it this way, too. A guy like Josh Allen, who, of course, took a big step and in his own growth this season, but now got him Stephon Diggs. Like, you think that didn't help? You know, we we talked about this with quarterbacks on the show, how important it is to protect them and give them weapons to throw to because there are a lot of guys who are super talented. And if you take them out and put them in a different situation, you always wonder what would happen. We talked about it with Darnold. You know, if he had all these pieces around him, could he be a guy who's as good as like a Baker Mayfield type or even a Josh Allen at some point? So I don't know. But you're probably right in that, you know, that's where it starts. For the quarterback, right? Because th- th- that's that's got to be the most important relationship. We've seen that in football with the really successful teams, that quarterback head coach relationship. So I'm with you. But at the same time, if they went out and got him a key weapon or two, man, then it becomes real enticing to stay there. Wasn't all that long ago we were raving about the Mets offseason, right? Not that long ago. Let me just get one comment in here, Crook. Yeah, years. Big Cowboys fan. Okay, he jokingly said, "Go Cowboys!" At the beginning of the show, but now he's on the Watson train here. Watson to Dallas, Prescott to Houston. It's not horrible. Yeah. If 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 you're Houston, sim- similar to if you're Houston in basketball, and you need to lose your star player, uh, it's important to get what you can get in return. So, if that's what they wound up with, I think they'd be okay with that. You know, I'm probably higher on Prescott than you are, but yeah. if you can lose a quarterback who's not really too happy and you're not sure what you're going to get out of him and you can bring in a guy like that at that talent level, that's not the worst trade-off in the world. All right, I started to say it's not that long ago. Yeah. We were raving about the Mets offseason. New ownership, right? The, maybe the best shortstop in all of baseball joining yeah. them. A lot to get excited about. And then what happens? And then what happens? Something Mets fans would love to forget, and they'll get a chance soon because we will play the game sooner rather than later. But a mess in the Mets front office, only a 37-day stint for Jared Porter. We'll react to that next on Honorado and Bagnardi. Depressed, overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, just say Dillagaff. Our clothing line puts the FU back into fun. Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dillagaff isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DillaGaffUSA.com. Now back to Honorado and Bagnardi. 
Shawnee, big day today, January 20th, for many, many reasons. Yeah, but in the sports world, from a Hall of Fame quarterback perspective, okay, mm-hmm. I know it's not as grand as everything else that's going on in the world today. Philip Rivers retired, and yeah. I said Hall of Fame quarterback. And I know there are people who will look at his career and just based on what they remember him doing or not doing will say he's not a Hall of Famer. You better believe he is. Yeah. Top five in passing yards. He's top five in passing touchdowns. He's eighth all time in career wins. And I know people that's not a win loss in a quarterback set. It is. And until they stop counting them, it will, it will be. He is a surefire Hall of Fame. We can debate about if he's first ballot, how many, how many tries he needs to get into the Hall of Fame, but he's going to Canton. I agree. The numbers alone make it automatic. But like you say, you can't really think about Philip Rivers without the yeah, but you know he was a he was a great quarterback for a long time, played at a very high level. He's a guy who didn't get it done, didn't get a ring. You know that's that's what I'm always going to think when I think of Philip Rivers too. I'm always going to go back to the very beginning, and I, I can't think of Philip Rivers without thinking of Eli Manning. Yeah. And how things you wonder if the roles were reversed, how the careers would have played out. That's always one of the great what ifs for me in football. Um, we'll never know, obviously, but it's interesting to see would he have had this, the same success or different success, and and same thing for Eli Manning. But for me, it's it's the great career without that championship ring. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, he's he has the second most wins all time by a quarterback that didn't win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, tells you all you need to know. I mean, he played 17 years. Um, but he statistically is a great quarterback. And I know the game has changed. There's more of an emphasis on passing. There's there's more of an emphasis from a refereeing standpoint that you can't be as physical with receivers. So it opens up the passing game for these guys. I get all of that, but he is still delivered on those opportunities and he has stayed healthy, right? The, the best ability sometimes is availability. He played an AFC championship game at Foxborough against the Patriots with a torn ACL. Do you think over time the yeah, but part will fade to some degree? No, no, because- don't. I mean, I say it. I said, yeah, I say it. Who am I? But when I think about Dan Marino's career, I say he didn't win. Okay, that's well, that's where I was going to go was Dan Marino because I think people now – it's always there. It's never going to not be there. But I think it's a little bit less than it was, you know, immediately after he retired yeah. now, right? As time goes on, I think he's just viewed as one of those greats. He's in, he's in that bunch, and it doesn't automatically come up. It does when you really get into it. Um, for Rivers right now, it's going to be automatic because it's so fresh for us. And I just wonder if over time that won't be the case. But no matter what, it doesn't really matter. It's always there. It's always that asterisk on your career. Barkley and Malone, and you still remember those guys as having yeah. not won. Ewing as having not won. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's in every sport, probably less in baseball than in, in basketball or at the quarterback position for that matter. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, Bags, the storyline of the week in baseball, although we could be reacting right now to what the Blue Jays are doing, and that's they're loading up, man. They just signed Michael Brantley today. They got a deal with George Springer done last night. Mm-hmm. But really, the baseball world is buzzing over 
this news at the bottom of your screen that the Mets fired GM Jared Porter. It didn't take long. No. Less than 18 hours from when we kind of knew what was going on to Steve Cohen saying this is not going to be part of our, our organization. 62 unanswered text messages, some of the lewd variety yeah. Um, yeah. to a female reporter. Look, you, you brought this up yesterday. At, at what point do you not take the hint when, with the un the unreplied text that uh, maybe enough's enough, right? Um, okay, setting this aside here as a human being and as a Mets fan, as a human being, this is terrible. Of course, should get fired. You know, as a Mets fan, this really doesn't mean too much to me. Um, I'm not sure this guy, look, he could have been able to help the team. Maybe he would have been a good general manager. I don't know. I'm not sure he's... He's the key decision maker on this team, uh, certainly not the only decision maker when it comes to bringing talent in here. We believe that's going to be Alderson and, and you know, the, the rest of the organization. So new ownership, obviously. So hmm, uh, not too concerned about this. And I don't think it's going to impact a single win or loss on the field for New York Mets fans. So I'm not I'm not really overly concerned about this. I look at this and say, good, they found out about this. Right. Get them out. That's what you do when you're trying to build a good culture. Yeah, you, you brought him in, but it'd be worse now to to stick with him. So get him out, just like with with uh, you know. I know this was under previous. But when you bring in Beltron, and yep. you, you just you just gotta cut ties with people. So I'm okay with this as a fan. Don't think this really hurts us as a person. It's he's disgusting, and, and get him out. Yeah, look, I'm, there there's a lot here aside from what has already been discussed, just in terms of the quality of person, right? We yeah. can assume him to be these unsolicited text messages and, and some of them explicit. Um, one, I don't know that I'll ever understand the desire of somebody who, who, who sends these pictures, but that's yeah, kind of beside the point. Uh-huh. I, I wondered that immediately too. Like we've all had that moment or moments, right? Where you're like, does she like me? Is she not getting my messages? Right. And yet there's a boundary that we, most of us seem to understand. And, and I don't know if that's two days of unresponsive right. messages. Is it a, a certain number of messages? But after a, a reasonable amount of time, we all seem to understand, okay, got to move on. This yeah, is I mean, not only going to be creeping her out. Right. I'm now creeped out myself. Yeah, I mean, one message that goes unanswered for like two days, you're starting to think, hmm. Like who doesn't get messages? You get the message. Yes. Right? This is 2021. But there are but there are plenty of people who, and I, I'm guilty of it too, I'll, I'll pick up my phone, I'll look at a text, I won't have time to respond then, and it, it, it may be a couple of days later. It really might be. Yeah, it might be. But I'm going to get, if you send me 10 of them, Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm getting them. That's not slipping through the cracks. No, agree. One one thing to point out too. Obviously, this happened this back in 2016, right? So at least it didn't happen on your watch. I guess that that might have been worse too. But it seems like the Mets have done the right thing here. It only it took them 
less than a day really to make the decision yeah. to to be done with them and cut ties. So yeah, like I said, as a fan, is this going to impact the product on the field? I don't I don't think so. You mentioned yesterday, you know, look, this guy kind of had the reputation. Maybe he was an up and coming guy and was going to be, but I don't know. They seem to be doing just fine. Uh, with acquiring talent. And I don't know that this guy is going to make that difference. I think New York City makes the difference. New ownership makes the difference. The talent you have there makes the difference. But one final point on this, there probably is a bit of a double standard that if this, if this were a, a great player, you mentioned yesterday, if this is Conforto, do the Mets have the same reaction? Probably not. So that's that's one thing we should probably be talking about and considering when we have these conversations too, especially in sports where we see big time athletes get away with other things at their jobs who, who others in other fields or even right here in the same field might not be able to get away with. There's no question. If, if this were a player and a, a, a start, a guy in your lineup, I mean, this isn't indicative of how the Mets do business. This is any no. team, Correct. any team across Correct. baseball. Uh, if, oh, uh, you know, I used Conforto as an example because he's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a very good player. They would find a way to get him sensitivity training. Or Look, we went through this with Brett Favre, okay? Look, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, if they're in other fields in, in the workforce, they're out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. Is Kyrie out of a job? Look at you, man segue today is Kyrie out of a job the way Harden and Durant have been playing together is there room for Kyrie Irving on this Nets team we'll talk about that next right here on Honorado and Agnardi. I lead a busy lifestyle and wanted a vehicle with the space I need and loaded with bells and whistles. Dre was fun to work with and found a great deal for me to find new roads at Mohawk Chevrolet. And right now you should reserve your 2021 Silverado because we can't keep them in stock during truck month at Mohawk Chevrolet. Or cash in on 0.9 financing on select 2020 models for up to 72 months right now during truck month at Mohawk Chevrolet. I'm Kimmy from Clifton Park and that's my story and this is my Mohawk Chevrolet where they always go out of their way to please you so what does capcom have that your bank doesn't you'll love our lower fees and great rates and a team of financial experts who put you first what's not to love we even make it easy to switch visit us and open your account today and find out what it's like to bank where you matter most Back to Honorado and Bagnardi. Bags, the Nets have looked really good with this new guy, James Harden. And we kind of wondered what would the chemistry be like, right? Jared Allen and Karis LeVert seem to be like not just very good players, but they were homegrown Nets, right? They, yeah. they were part of the good chemistry that seemed to be developing in Brooklyn. And now that they're gone and you add in another superstar, what would this product look like on the court? We haven't seen it fully yet because we won't know. We won't see the Brooklyn Big Three until tonight. They in Cleveland or home against Cleveland. They're playing the Cavs either way. Yeah. Um, is there room for Kyrie Irving based on what you've seen the two games between Durant and Harden? I think there's room. There's going to have to be room because as good as the Nets have looked in a very small sample size with just two games with Harden and Durant – in the same lineup, they're not 
going to be good enough to win a championship without all three of these guys in place and working well together. So he's going to have to fit. Now, I said to you after watching Harden play the last couple of couple of games that I'm a little concerned about how he comes in and fits because it seems to be working pretty well the way they've done it with Harden kind of as the primary ball handler when he's in there. And you wonder now when that changes, how does that work for him? Harden has looked pretty good. He's, he's overweight, but he seems to be getting back in shape already. So that's a good sign. Uh, hasn't really affected his his old man YMCA game too much anyway, which is which is reassuring as a Nets fan. Uh, he's thrown the ball all over the gym. He's had a lot of turnovers in these two games, which could be, you know, getting into a new system too and learning how to play with other guys. So that is, I'm okay with that. But they've done it pretty well with Harden and Durant on the floor at the same time. And then when when they're not on the floor at the same time, always having one of them in there. So I'm curious to see now when Irving comes in, do you still feel like you only have to have one of those guys on the, or now you're going to try to mix and match, maybe always have two on the floor at the same time. But the biggest thing is who's the primary ball handler. That's always going to be Kyrie Irving. Okay. So can Harden make that adjustment? I think he's come in right now and been okay in these first two games because he's still been able to play like James Harden, only now you gave him Kevin Durant. Now you throw Kyrie Irving in and he becomes the primary ball handler. How does that impact Harden's game? I think I'm not worried about Durant. He's going to be fine. He's, like you said, he might be the best player in the NBA. You said that yesterday because he's just such a different dude. He can make shots from anywhere. His shot is unblockable because of his size and his length. And ultimately, he is the guy on this team. And from the start of this season, he has clearly been committed. He's clearly healthy. All of the Kevin Durant questions have been answered in a positive way for Brooklyn. Obviously, the Kyrie Irving questions have only snowballed down, and we've gotten more questions now about his commitment and what he's going to be able to bring when he comes in. So I'll say, to me, it's how does Harden's game change? Can he adjust with somebody else being the primary ball handler? And is Kyrie fully committed? If the two answers to those questions go in the Nets' favor, then I think they're right there competing for a championship. I think I think maybe we see a swing in attitude or emotion from Kyrie. I, I think this becomes a fun situation for him to be part of. And he may also realize um, that if he isn't part of it, he, he will be left out. Like he, he will not play for Bro- – I, I don't know where he'll play, if at all. And, and he seems to be a guy like, eh, if I don't play, maybe no big deal. I don't know. <clears throat> but I think he realizes now – there could be something special here, and if I'm not part of it, they might still figure it out anyway. Like me threatening not to play, it, it may not be a big deal. Do you think if he comes in and it doesn't seem to work well that by the end of this season, one of these three could be gone? Well, really, it would be it would just be Kyrie. Do you think they would look to move him knowing, okay, Harden and Durant seem to work well together – do we go get another piece that maybe fits so Harden can still be the ball handler? We still have Durant. Do we try to trade Kyrie for an exceptional big or somebody else? Yes. I think now you have an abundance of scoring that you can move one of these guys if you want to. They're, they're All three are under contract through next year, and then you've got some player options to worry about if you're the Nets. 
Uh, but yeah, I think Kyrie, just given the track record, I know Harden's is not exactly squeaky clean. He becomes the expendable one in a lot yeah. of ways. And Harden, though, now I'll say, seems like he's he's in, right? He, yes. He's yes. saying the right things. He seems to be already trying to get back in better shape. Um, he's he's happy he got what he wanted, and I think he'll be okay now mentally moving forward the rest of the season. Kyrie is always that question mark, obviously. And, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to, to say this because – even after just saying, I think you need those three to all be there and playing well for you to have the best chance to win. That's not to say that another three couldn't do it. And you could probably get a haul for Kyrie Irving if he's still Kyrie Irving, which he is. I mean, he, he's playing very well this season before he started missing games. So if you can go out and get a really good big man for him, I mean, I'm not going to throw names out there necessarily, but a guy who you bring in who then improves your team defensively, who can maybe get out and run with Harden and Durant. Yeah, maybe he does become expendable, which is hard to believe. Yeah. All right, for the record, we are both on the home teams this Sunday, Kansas City and Green Bay. Yep, and we'll save our Super Bowl picks for when there is one. Yeah, well, what is the best – I mean, that's who we think is going to win, in your opinion. What's the best matchup for the Super Bowl? Is it Green Bay, Kansas City? That's prob that could provide the best game. I wonder if Brady being in there though doesn't provide yeah. the storylines um, for the NFL. Having having the old man in there one more time going against Mahomes and the Chiefs, who will be looking to make it two in a row. For as great as Rodgers is, and for as great of a game as I think it would be, Green Bay and Kansas City, I think the NFL is thinking, boy, it's a lot juicier if we get Brady in there because it stirs up the Brady-Belichick debate. We yep. can talk about a 43-year-old guy making it to the Super Bowl in his first year with a new team, and then you can pit him against Mahomes, who's the next great thing, or it could be another Buffalo roadblock. Like all these years, the Bills have just been waiting for Brady to leave so they can win the AFC East. Mm -hmm. That happens. And if they were to reach the Super Bowl for the first time since 94, if Brady is there waiting, if you're a Bills fan, you'll be thinking, are, are you kidding me? Right. Come on. I know. it's And it's not impossible, man. It really isn't. Any, any one of these four teams have a legit shot to win, even if – Patrick Mahomes is healthy, even if everybody is is good to go. And that's not always the case in conference championships. We do find ourselves oftentimes saying, boy, one or both conference championship games were better than the matchup yeah. of the Super Bowl. I don't think that's going to be the case this year, thankfully. But even that being said, these are four teams who could all go out there and win on Sunday. You know, it's great that we save energy, but sometimes when the lights go out, bags, it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> It is. Literally, it's like we, we've been there. You and I have been there at a bar where it's like last call was like 35 minutes ago. <laughs> and now the lights are being turned off like they're basically screaming at you to go home. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're done. Yeah. OK, that'll do it for Honorado and Bagnardi, whether we like it or not. Thanks for watching, everybody. Enjoy the games on Sunday.